0: His promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. And therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our growth comes through the scriptures. Join me, if you would, in Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19. Last week we looked at verse 15. Today I want to look at verse 16. He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, but he who is careless of, of his conduct will die. That sounds pretty serious. (laughs) <laughs> we, better, we better pay attention. All right, before we get started, let's take a moment for silent prayer, call upon our Father and His faithfulness to set aside distractions, to humble us under the authority of His Word. Shall we pray? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do come before You this morning thankful for Your faithfulness, thankful for Your truth, recognizing, Father, that you are the creator God of the universe, and we are are your creatures. And, Father, we are humble before you. We stand before you in fear. We don't want to lose our reverence, Father, as we approach the living and abiding Word of God. And so, Father, this is the time you have designated, and this is for our blessing. We want to redeem the time for your good pleasure and for the glory of your Son we call upon the faithful teaching ministry of God the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, open our ears, and quiet our hearts. We thank you and praise you, Father, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Alright, so a week ago we dealt with laziness. Laziness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle man will suffer hunger. And in the recognition that laziness itself is an active agent, that the verb casts into a deep sleep... Is, uh, is not where we want to be. That's not normal sleep. This is the kind of deep sleep that even if uh, surgery is performed on you, it doesn't wake you up. This is the deep sleep Adam was in when the rib was removed. And this is a deep sleep uh, in spiritual terms where no matter what happens, you're not waking up. That uh, the truth of God's Word can be right before you and you won't wake up to see it. You won't wake up to hear it. There's no concept for what it is because we, ha- we are in this what's called the deep sleep, that is a spiritual blindness in, uh, in what we deal with here. And laziness does that. That is the active agent. Laziness itself does uh, what the verb is talking about. It does the casting. Alright, so we dealt with that. We looked at all the verses related to the deep sleep. We talked about the villain that it is. How the deep sleeps are not natural but forced upon those who experience them. Also how in that deep see, uh, sleep state you are vulnerable to listening to satanic voices, that there were several occasions where people in that deep sleep could hear the demons, they could hear Satan, they could hear fallen angels, or they could actually hear the Lord. There were cases where Abraham was in such a deep sleep in, in, uh, when the uh, covenant was given. Let me get my slideshow up and running here where we were looking at that. Is it this one? Yes. And so it was in Genesis 15, 12 where God put Abraham into that kind of a sleep because he had been busy trying to stay awake. He had been busy trying to drive the vultures away. Into, he had split the animals into two halves and he was prepared to stay awake as long as it took, prepared to keep the vultures from eating the animals, waiting for the Lord to arrive so that he and the Lord could walk through the, the covenant together. And God said, oh no, you don't. <laughs> he put him to sleep because God walked through that covenant uh, with the oven and the torch, I believe that was representative of God the Father, God the Son, and they went through that uh, that covenant together. It was an agreement on God's part alone, an unconditional covenant. Abraham cannot break that covenant if he wanted to, because he wasn't walking through as a co-equal member of that covenant. Unconditional covenant in Genesis fifteen twelve. And in the process of that deep sleep he heard a prophecy that came from the Lord, a prophecy about the the slavery in Egypt, the prophecy about the iniquity of the Amorites and the the conquest of uh, of Canaan and those things there. So it's not only the demons that can be speaking during such uh, deep sleep, Uh, the Lord Himself on at least that occasion uh, spoke as well. Anyway um, that's where we were a week ago. Today I want to move on to point 10 and I want to talk about guarding your soul. Whereas Proverbs 19.8 addressed loving one's soul, Proverbs 19.16 describes guarding the soul. Guarding the soul. And so you see it here, um, he who keeps. Now that word keep, the Hebrew verb is shamer, and I'm going to give that to you in a moment. We'll spell it out for you and give you the Strong's number for shamer. But um, you can cross off keeping if you want and, and write guarding. And I think guarding is the better word, although they're, they're both used uh, in an in interchangeable way. But guarding the commandment, guarding the soul. And if you want to I mean it's the same verb, it's shamir that's used twice. If, if you prefer to think about keeping the commandment and guarding the soul, you can change the English verbs Uh, but it's the same Hebrew verb, whatever you choose to do with it. And this is uh, for our own benefit, for our own protection. And I think that we need to guard our souls. The Scripture describes the necessity for guarding the soul, guarding your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And uh, it's a principle that I think a lot of believers don't pay attention to. And uh, maybe if they've been under teaching, they can consider feeding their soul as, as a necessary function. But guarding the soul, protecting the soul... Uh, I think that gets lost in a lot of applications and and as such, I think the uh, the believer uh, leaves himself vulnerable to attack, leaves himself vulnerable to soul damage that he wasn 't aware was even uh, vulnerable to uh, that wouldn 't have happened if he 'd have been guarding his soul correctly, and the mechanism for guarding the soul is to keep the word of God or to keep the commandments anyway it 's very memorable and it 's kind of a neat expression. Uh, in the Hebrew, uh, you can see the shomer is repeated, shomer mitzvah, shomer nafsho, is the Hebrew, and um, the way it repeats it like that, and the way it's almost uh, sing-songy, it's almost um, shomer mitzvah, shomer nafsho. Okay, mitzvah, you know, because of bar mitzvah. If you know a Jewish kid that went to his bar mitzvah when he turned 14, or a girl that went to her bat mitzvah that the the bar is for a son and the bat is for a daughter and they become sons of the, not the Torah and not the bereath, they don't become sons of the covenant or sons of the law, they become sons of the commandment, sons of the mitzvah or daughter in the case of a bat mitzvah. And so mitzvah is is a good term and we'll see some mitzvah examples here this morning Uh, but shomer is a present participle for keeping The verb shomer that I'll give you here in a moment. But uh, shomer is the participial form of that. So he who keeps, the one who continuously keeps, you don't ever want to stop keeping the commandment and you never want to stop guarding your soul. Because by doing the one, you're doing the other. And and there's no other way to do it. No other way the Bible describes for guarding your soul other than guarding the commandment. Keeping the commandment or treasuring it in your heart, for example, as the psalmist said, that I might not sin against thee. And so um, I think it's kind of sing-songy and it's kind of uh, simple as it comes across with these four verbs, or these four words. Um, Much more brief in Hebrew, that's always the case. The poetry is much more brief in Hebrew than in the English, because in English we have he who keeps the commandment, keeps his soul. It's eight words in the English, but just the four in Hebrew shomer mitzvah shomer nafsho and uh and it becomes memorable it's like happy wife happy life <laughs> you know it's just four little words and the happy is repeated so uh and then the others rhyme so you get happy wife happy life and uh it's just a little ditty to remind yourself that uh you've got a duty as a husband well this kind of is that a terrible example anyway this is four words two of them are repeated Shomer mitzvah, Shomer Nefsho. And so um, if, if, you're, if you're guarding the mitzvah, if you're guarding the commandment, you're guarding your soul. Your Nefesh, your soul. The verb Shamer, so point A is the verb shamer. S-H-A-M-A-R. Strong concordance number 8104. 8104. And it is everywhere throughout the Old Testament. 468 uses. And uh, I didn't pull up the chart, but its I suspect it's in every single book of the Old Testament with 468 uses. And the very first one is in Genesis 2.15. God put Adam in the garden to shamer it, To cultivate it and to keep it. To cultivate it or to work it and to guard it. And I believe this is his first failure. It's a failure of omission. He didn't guard the garden appropriately because who let the snake in there? Why was the serpent even in there? Now he failed as a sin of omission and we know that, that when you don't do what you're supposed to do that it's a sin of omission. But such a sin doesn't have a consequence because the only sin with a consequence for Adam was eating the tree from the knowledge of good and evil. And so even though he failed to guard the garden that he was commanded to do uh, it was not that failure that caused his eyes to be open or caused the Adamic curse to be bestowed upon this earth. But nevertheless, when we're looking at that there in Genesis 2.15 we realize that when God lays forth the expectation, we better pay attention and we better do it. And uh, so many fundamental things here. I'm looking forward to teaching Genesis when we finish with Hebrews. Hebrews so many things in these early chapters that set the pattern that we should be applying today related to uh, natural resources and the the proper usage of natural resources, part of our mandate in uh, subduing the earth. Anyway, we've got um, verse 8 so man is is created in verse 7 The Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living nefesh. He became a living soul. A living being. And the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden. And there he placed the man whom he had formed. And so the whole planet was created by God and he divided it up into territories. And he gave names to those territories. He he didn't tell Adam, I want you to walk around here and give names to these places. Adam named the animals, but the places were named by God. And toward the east, there's significance to that direction, but toward the east in the territory that he designated as Eden. And it was within that territory that he placed the man. And that's where he planted the garden. Now out of the ground the Lord caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight, good for food, the tree of life also, in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God's trees, God's names. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden and from there it divided and became four rivers. God's rivers, God's names. Adam didn't name these rivers either. The name of the first is Pishon. It flows around the whole land of Havilah. God named that land. Adam didn't name that land. Where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. The bdellium and the onyx stone are there. So when a land is blessed by God, when God provides territory with natural resources, that is good. That is God's blessing for the people that will be living in that land. The animals don't care about the gold of that land, but the people do. And the water. The water rights for these rivers and so forth. The name of the second river is Gihon. It flows around the whole land of Cush. Okay, and so we we learn these things. God creates boundaries. God names lands. Havilah is not Cush, and neither Havilah nor Cush are Eden. And uh, these places are separate and separated. In other words, borders. The name of the third river is Tigris. It flows east of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates. So Havilah, Cush, Assyria, and Eden. We have four geographic territories that are stipulated along with four rivers and uh, the wealth of these different uh, lands. So the Lord God took the man, put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to guard it, to shamer it. Which causes us to wonder, well, what does he have to guard it from? Who does he have to keep it from? And uh, who are the people that are going to be living in Havilah and Cush and Assyria? And what was God's intention for sinless humanity when they were fruitful and multiplied to fill the earth and subdue it? Uh, what is the uh, expectation of the, the different peoples that will be living in these different lands? And why would Eden have to be guarded? Well, none of those other lands have has a tree of life, do they? <laughs> That's a clue. There's, there's something that, would, that wars would uh, be uh, started over. Things like that. Anyway, when he says to guard something, that's not just a tip or a helpful hint, it's a command and uh, if we fail to fulfill what he expects for us to do, there's going to be consequences. If, uh, and as Adam failed to guard the garden, the serpent got in there and his wife started listening and, and we know what happened after that. If, uh, if you don't guard the mitzvah, consequences. And uh, you're not guarding your soul. And when you're not guarding your soul, you're going to despise your ways. And when you despise your ways, the consequences are death. Okay? And we're going to talk about that because it's not physically dropping dead by disobeying the Scriptures. But it is operational death, it is carnality, and it will eventually lead to the sin and the death, should a believer continue in that kind of despising the uh, next time we see sha'mair it happens that they are sinners and kicked out of the garden. And we uh, get a clue as to what it was that we're supposed to be guarding because we see what it is that the cherubim is guarding. And so after they're sinners and he sends them out. Let's see here. Of course, this is after they've already repented and after they've already accepted the provision for their nakedness. I believe this was their moment of salvation by grace through faith. That uh, He kills the animals, He provides the skins, and that in in faith they respond to the work of God by putting on the garments and uh, they become born-again believers at this point once again with living human spirits that had died uh, when when God opened their eyes. And so uh, now that they're believers though, they uh, aren't going to be staying in Eden any longer. It says in verse 22, the Lord God said, behold the man has become like one of us knowing good and evil and now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Now the tree was put there for this very reason but it was put there for this very reason for sinless humanity to have access to. But now sinful humanity has access to it and God says that's a problem. <laughs> sinful humanity Living forever is not good. Immortality for sinful humanity is unthinkable in uh, in God's mind. So he says, therefore the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. Notice the command before was cultivate and keep. Now it's just cultivate because you're not keeping the tree of life anymore. You're not keeping the Garden of Eden anymore. You've done blew it, and now uh, your new position is just cultivate only with sweat and toil and thorns and everything else. The ground has been cursed because of you. So he drove the man out and at the east of the Garden of Eden, it's always going east, you notice that? At the east of the Garden of Eden he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword which turned every direction to shamer, guard the way to the tree of life. And so right here in our first two uses, Genesis two fifteen, it's rendered keep, Genesis three twenty four, it's rendered guard. Uh, I think you can put guard in both places and, uh, and do just fine with it. I think you can put guard in both places in Proverbs 19-16 and do just fine with it. If you guard the mitzvah, guard the command, and guard your soul. Alright. Finally then, Genesis 4-9, the third use, am I my brother's keeper? Shamer. And boy, that gets us into a realm of study, okay? <laughs> and so we realize, I'm I'm just teasing you with some things ultimately because I'm not giving you a, a comprehensive uh, but it would be a, a marvelous thing to go through and take the 468 uses and... You know, put them in buckets, put them in categories, put them in, in a development where we can have a full understanding of all of God's Shamer expectations uh, for us as believers. But uh, of course Cain murders Abel and God's giving Cain the opportunity to confess of it. And uh, Cain's just going to act all, he's going to play dumb and act like he doesn't know what's going on. And uh, in his rhetorical question am I my brother's keeper? We find uh, the, the answer. The answer is yes that we are um, accountable for ourselves, accountable for our brethren, that we are to love one another and serve one another and edify one another. This is true in uh, even in Old Testament theology and it's much more true in New Testament theology whereby brothers and sisters are also members of the body, members of the body of Christ. And so we have duties towards our uh, church-age brothers and sisters as well. All right. So this is what we deal with with guard. And I think um, it's, it's much more intensive than just simply obey. Alright? It's, it's much more intensive than uh, just do what you're told. Okay? That is far too simplistic, that is far too insufficient to guard your soul. That the grudging obedience, the, the believer that just he sees the command and so he, you know, he doesn't flagrantly violate it, but he doesn't wholeheartedly Im- Im- obey it either. He's just kind of a passive in it, you know, about his negative volition That's not guarding. You can obey without guarding. And you can can obey externally even when your heart is far from the Lord. And he rebukes Israel for that in several passages. And so the the memory verse here of Proverbs 19.16 when you're reciting Shomer Mitzvah, Shomer Nafsho, that Shomer of guarding and keeping is, is far more than just simply obeying and doing what you're told. Because you can obey the command and not be guarding it. I think the guarding of the command is, is it includes obedience but it includes so much more. That, uh, that, we have, that, that not only have we received the commands but we are the stewards of the commands. We are, we've been entrusted with the Word of God. That we have to not only do what God says but we have to defend it and preach it and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and proclaim it to others, to our family, to our children and so forth. We want to treasure it in our hearts so that we don't sin against God. Other applications there for guarding the command, we guard our souls. Now the noun for command, as I've been saying, is mitzvah. M-I-T-S. You can either do a -A V-A-H or W-A-H. Either way, transliteration on that. Mitzvah. And it too. So if you've spent uh, a month or longer going through 468 uses of Shomer, now you've got to go through uh, nearly 200 uses, 181 uses of Mitzvah. And uh, you will spend a lot of time doing that. Mitzvah. In the different ways. I just gave you a selection. Um, it's a fairly lengthy selection but most of them come from Psalm 119. So we can save ourselves a lot of page flipping on this. Uh, 181 uses of Mitzvah in the Old Testament. 22 of those are in Psalm 119. (laughs) And that is just a a huge uh, emphasis. In fact if you chart out where it's used, it's not spread out as much as as Shomer is. If you look at the the chart for where Mitzvah shows up, you're going to have a monster tower in Deuteronomy and you're going to have a monster tower in Psalms. And most of the ones in Psalms are Psalm 119. 22 out of the 26 uh, Psalms usages are in Psalm 119. But mitzvah, let's see how mitzvah is used because we don't have a bar mitzvah example in our past. No one here is Jewish that I'm aware of, no one's had a bar mitzvah in their past. I've got several Jewish friends in the scribal world, in fact one of them invited me to his synagogue let's go to Genesis 26.5. One of my Jewish friends invited me to his synagogue service because they were having a celebration this was a year or two now, a couple years back. Um, he, w- he was having the, the 50th anniversary of his bar mitzvah. And on the 50th anniversary of his bar mitzvah, um, the rabbi was letting him do a, um, a Torah reading. And so uh, he asked if I would be interested in, in attending and watching. And so I did. It was great. And uh, even got there early for their, their Bible study when they were teaching on Joseph and Potiphar's wife in, in uh, Egypt. And uh, so I sat through the, the Bible study there and then went to the services and got to sing in Hebrew because they put the words up on the screen. And uh, got to watch my friend read the, read the Torah thing. And, and then after I'd been there about two and a half, almost three hours, I started thinking, how long does this go? <laughs> I, didn't, I had no idea and I was regretting not asking ahead of time. I was starting to get hungry. But anyway, they, they, they meet for hours on, uh, on the Sabbath. All right. Genesis 26. And uh, we have, this is Isaac but the discussion is going to point back to his father Abraham. There was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. If you might recall in chapter 20 Abraham had a failure on that occasion and uh, Ger- and uh, Abimelech was a believer, they were able to, to work it out and thankfully because Abimelech was saved and had a fear of the Lord. And the Lord appeared to him and said, "...do not go down to Egypt, stay in the land of which I shall tell you, sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you, for to you and your descendants I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven." Remember uh, there was a dust of the earth metaphor, here's a stars of the heaven metaphor. And I will give your descendants all these lands, and by your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. It should be by your seed, and that seed is Christ, and that's okay. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Now we realize that there's a spectrum of terms. There's a spectrum of terms that are not synonymous, but they are related, and uh, and we see four of them here. There's a charge. There's commandments. That's mitzvah. In the plural, it would be mitzvot. Mitzvah is a uh, it's a feminine noun. You can tell by that ah ending. It's feminine. Why is commandment feminine? because it is. <laughs> and the plural of mitzvah is mitzvoth. Likewise Torah is feminine. And we have um, my charge, my commandments, my statutes. Those are usually pikudim. And then my laws, Torah. And Abraham kept them. He obeyed and shamer. He obeyed and kept. So Obviously, Shamer can't be a synonym for keep or for obey, because both verbs are here. He did obey. He also guarded. He also kept. He did both, obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my mitzvah, my statutes, my Torah. And then, by the way, this is a use of Torah, and Moses hasn't even given the Torah yet. <laughs> the Mosaic law had not been given, but Abraham kept the mitzvah and the Torah. There's a tandem there in how they're used. Sometimes it's a spectrum of four, sometimes it's it's just a tandem of two. And when it's a tandem of two it's always mitzvah and Torah in the singular, which is curious to me. So, Isaac lived in uh, Gerar and he becomes the heir to the Abrahamic covenant. won't get into the rest of the chapter because he has the same stupid mistake Abraham does when he says, oh she's my sister trying to protect his skin because he has a pretty wife. And, uh, and it's worse than Abraham's lie, they're both lies, but Abraham's lie is at least half true. Uh, Isaac's lie is not even half true, it's just a total lie. Uh, Rebecca wasn't even a half-sister. And, uh, and he should have known better because this is uh, Abimelech king of the Philistines who uh, in verse 8 we're told he was looking out through a window and saw and behold Isaac was caressing his wife Rebecca, And uh, aha! that's not the kind of thing you do with your sister. <laughs> so the, the jig was up and, and, uh, and thankfully Isaac and Rebekah were spared the judgment that had come to uh, Abraham and Sarah on uh, one of their earlier occasions. Alright. Let's get over to Exodus 20. Let's continue our mitzvah survey here. Exodus chapter 20. What do you think of when you think of Exodus 20? Ten commandments. First thing. just pops into your mind. Exodus 20. Ten commandments. It's like Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. The um, commandment number 1 and 2 center on no other gods and no idolatry. Uh, Let's see here. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness. Describes these things. Um, Verse 5 You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, I, Yahweh, your Elohim, I am a jealous Elohim. I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to a thousand generations. It probably just says to thousands, but it's generations in context. Showing loving kindness to a thousand generations to those who love me and, what does it say? Those who keep my mitzvah. Those who keep my commandments. Mitzvah. And so in the prophecies of the fullness of time when we're looking at the thousand generations after the millennium in the new heavens and on the new earth, we're going to have a thousand generations of born-again believers that love Jesus Christ and they don't sin like Adam sinned. They keep the mitzvah. There will be no more sin, no more death, no more sickness, no more pain, the first things have passed away. For the thousand generations we have the plan of God unfolding as He originally designed it Remember He told sinless humanity to be fruitful and multiply and they did not. They became sinners before they multiplied. And uh, we either have to say God's plan was thwarted or God switched to a different plan or we have to say no, God's plan is never thwarted, no purpose of thine can be thwarted and He still intends for sinless humanity to be fruitful and multiply. It's just it's going to happen in the new heavens and on the new earth after the millennium. The commandment to a thousand generations. Alright, so showing a loving kindness to a thousand generations to those who love me and keep my commandments. My mitzvah. By the way, if you want to see Daniel 7, 9, you'll see the word generations in there. That's implied here, but it's explicit there. Um, chapter 24 and verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and remain there, and I will give you the stone tablets with the Torah and the mitzvah, which I have written for their instruction. With the law and with the commandment, the Torah and the mitzvah. Like I say, it's curious. Sometimes it's a group of four, sometimes it's just a tandem of two. And this tandem of two with Torah and mitzvah being... being uh, not synonyms, but not uh, but they are linked. Clearly they're linked. You have Torah, you have mitzvah. And and really it means you have two witnesses against you. Uh, if you violate the Torah and the mitzvah, uh, you are condemned because those they will bear witness. So I will give you the stone tablets with the Torah and the mitzvah. And uh, this is what we call the Decalogue, the Ten, the Ten Commandments and uh, so forth. All right unless you believe the Mel Brooks uh, comedy where there were three tablets and then he dropped one. But that's something else. All right. <laughs> Psalm 19. Boy, that's a classic. When Mel Brooks comes down off the mountain and says, I give you the 15, crash, 10, 10 commandments. We were discussing these verses uh, during the ladies' prayer time. Some of the men and I were gathered in the room over there. We were looking at this. In verse 7 it says, "...the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul." That's Torah. And, then, and this is a, a neat verse to work through to get some basic Hebrew vocabulary because you get an assortment of nouns, you get an assortment of adjectives that are all very fruitful for any any uh, basic doctrinal studies or any basic study. So we can, we can learn what Torah is about. We can learn about tamim, perfection, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And so then we learn the word for testimony. And then the precepts of the Lord are uh, right. And we learn about... Uh, so uh, with sure, we get the, the term amen, that the uh, testimony of the Lord is amen, is faithful or sure. And it's one of the titles for Jesus. He is the faithful and true one. And he is the amen. And then the, uh, the precepts of the Lord are right. They are yashar. They are straight. They are right. And uh, we learn about God's righteousness and God's holiness with adjectives like yashar. And then the mitzvah of the Lord is pure enlightening the eyes. And so we have mitzvah and all these expressions are useful for us as we, uh, as we see, they all refer to the, the Word of God, the, what we would call Bible doctrine, or you know, uh, but each one emphasizes a, a specific aspect of doctrine that we should be thrilled with. We should be thrilled to live our lives in the Word of God. And then beyond the mitzvah is the fear of the Lord. If you try to approach any of this without the, the fear of the Lord, the yare. It's clean, enduring forever. And then the judgments of the Lord. Mishpat. The judgments of the Lord. This is where God makes His own applications. His judgments, His rulings, His decisions. And His decisions are always right, they're always just. There's no false judgment with God, there's no injustice with God. But it's the judgments then that gets expanded in the following verses. Uh, The judgments of the Lord are true, they are righteous altogether. They, that's the judgments, are more desirable than gold, yes, than fine gold, sweeter than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great re- reward. I believe we have the uh, Shamir there in the keeping in verse 11. But the mitzvah is in verse uh, 8. All is a part of this. And so it's curious to me, and I was asking the men this in the, in the meeting here just a few minutes ago, talking about how it's the, it's the judgments that we disagree with. It's the judgments that we take issue with and we argue about God's judgments. And then we never just vocalize and say, well, God, your Torah is incorrect, or that your precepts are wrong, or that your testimony is, is inaccurate, or uh, that even your commandment is unfair. We never complain about Torah or mitzvah. Where we complain is in His judgments. In the decisions that he makes in applying circumstances to our life, and we, we attack god's judgments because we would make different judgments we would make different decisions and uh, we think it's unfair that we have to have the undeserved suffering we go through or the other testing or or different things and so uh, human rebellion biblically speaking when when uh, job or David or any any uh, anybody in the Bible is disagreeing with the Lord uh, Chances are they're disagreeing over his judgments, over the the judicial decisions that he made when applying his Torah and his mitzvah and his piku'dim and and so forth. When applying these things to uh, to our experience, that's where uh, that's where it gets very practical, in uh, in application. All right, so that's Psalm nineteen and verse eight with the mitzvah used. Now, when we get to Psalm one hundred nineteen, we have a mature believer who uses all of these words. He uses Torah, he uses mitzvah, he uses pikudim, he uses, he uses every word you can imagine and more for the word of God. And with 176 verses, he uses uh, one of these expressions practically everywhere. And specifically the mitzvah shows up 22 times in uh, 22 strophes of uh, uh, and what I failed to do was actually look to see if we were missing any of the trophies. We can do that now as we look at these. But uh, 22 uses in Psalm 119. This is a believer who guarded the mitzvah. He guarded the mitzvah and he guarded his soul. He made the perfect application of, of Proverbs 19.16 that we're looking at here this morning. Because as I believe, and Colonel Theme taught this, that he was on the death march to Babylon uh, over these 22 days, each day focused on the Word of God. And uh, keeping his perspective, and whether that's true or not, it's, you know, whatever tradition that came from, I don't know, but um, in any event, clearly there's a a believer here that is so locked in on doctrine that nothing is going to shake him up. Even when his elders are rebuking him, even when those who should know, but his princes, his political leaders are letting him down. But he stays focused on doctrine. And this chapter is so critical in that regard. I almost want to teach it all over again. I know the notebooks are out there in the hallway. all right. So in the Aleph Strophe, which is verses 1-8, through every verse here begins with the Hebrew letter Aleph. But verse 6, verse 6 here says, Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your mitzvah, or mitzvoth plural, your commandments. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn of your righteous judgments. And here's Shafat for judgments. I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. So you see all these terms for the word of God being used in parallel with one another, being used in in, uh, in an interrelated way. But he says in uh, verse 5, he says and there's a shamer use in verse 4 <coughs> "...you have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. We should shamer. we should guard them, keep them diligently." Oh, that my ways may be established, all my ways to keep your statutes. And so we have ways. And, and those ways are plural. And, so, and uh, Proverbs 19.16 speaks of those ways. That when you despise your ways the end thereof is death. So we have all of our ways. And we can think of our plural ways. Uh, we have uh, you know, the ways, um, sometimes we use life, you know, uh, your, your work life, your home life your sex life, your, your business life, your political life, your um, you know, we've got all our, the English word we would use is life, but we could use ways and, and communicate the same thing. So in all our ways, in all your ways acknowledge Him, He will direct your steps. Okay? So that means your personal life, your work life, your marriage life, your family life, your sex life, your business life, your political life, whatever other life you have, your Scrabble life, whatever, whatever life you have. If there is some facet of your life that you are not oriented to the Word of God, that's a problem. Okay. Your economic life. How shocking is it when believers first realize, you mean the Bible has something to say about money? (laughs) Yeah it does. And uh, your financial decisions need to be conformed to the Word of God. Anyway. So that's verse 6. Verse ten in the faith strophe. Verse nine says, "How can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word, your davar? With all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your mitzvah, your commandments. Do not let me wander." And this becomes a problem. As believers start to drift, and we start to wander, and we, the law doesn't change, the the commands don't change, but we start to drift. We start to wander. That's verse 10. Verse 19 is in the Gimel strophe. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. That's an applicable verse since we are all pilgrims and strangers. This is a fallen world. It's not our home. So that's verse uh, 19. Also, same strophe, verse 21. You rebuke the arrogant, the cursed, who wander from your commandments. So we don't want to wander and those who do wander, in their arrogance they are cursed, they are rebuked by God. Verse 32 in the Daleth, it's the end of the Daleth Strophe. I shall run the way of your commandments for you will enlarge my heart. You know, Are you going to grumble over God's commands? You think they're slowing you down? You think they're binding you in? You, You feel hedged in, you feel God just doesn't want you to have any fun. Commandments are burdensome. No they're not, they're freeing. Commandments are liberating. Commandments, you can run because you know you're in the will of God. You know He's set the boundaries for you and you're thrilled. He sets all the boundaries for our blessing, for our benefit. He's not setting boundaries so that that we feel trapped or we feel limited. Not at all. The world tells you that's the case though. They lie to you about that. They want you to know that ooh, you know God's just this curmudgeon, doesn't want you to have any fun. So He limits, you can only have sex with one woman for the rest of your life and it's no fun. Are you kidding me? See, He lies, Satan lies about these things. When God's boundaries are so ah, they're so good and they're for our blessing and they're for our freedom and we can run. In Song of Solomon she says let us run together. And uh, they weren't jogging. All right, Psalm... Where am I? I'm getting sidetracked. That was verse 32 in the uh, Dalit Strophe. Verse 35 in the Hey Strophe. All these verses start with Hey. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, of your mitzvah, for I delight in it. And make me do this. Make me do this. I might be tempted to turn to the left or the right, so make me do this. He's surrendering his volition to God's volition saying, not my will, but thine be done. There'll be times that I'll probably want to drift, so don't let me. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Verse 47 in the Vav Strophe, I shall delight in your commandments, which I love. This is not a grumbling obedience, not grudgingly or under compulsion. God loves the cheerful giver. We should delight in the commandments. Verse 48, also in the Vav Strophe. So we've had a couple now that have had two each. I shall lift up my hands to your commandments which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Verse 60. Aha. So now we've skipped a strophe. There is no mitzvah anywhere in the Zion strophe. Okay. I've settled my curiosity on that now. Um, verse 60. I hastened and did not delay to keep your commandments. Some people think that obedience can happen just whenever you feel like it. And uh, that's not the case. Hasten to obey. If you delay and delay and delay and then finally eventually get around to doing what you should have been doing all along, is that really obedience? It's certainly not guarding the mitzvah, even if you eventually do obey. He says, I hastened and did not delay to keep your mitzvah. That's verse 60. Verse 66 in the Taith strophe Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Verse uh, 73, opening verse of the Yod strophe Your hands made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments verse 86 in the cuff strophe all your commandments are faithful they have persecuted me with a lie help me and he's under con- he's under uh, conflict the arrogant have dug pits for me men who are not in accord with your law he's under affliction but how faithful are the commandments of god that's verse 86 verse 96 the final verse of the Lamed Strophe. I have seen a limit to all perfection. Your commandment is exceedingly broad. Verse 98. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. You know, is it a problem if you have enemies? <laughs> I don't think it's a problem. In fact, chances are you, you should have enemies. If you're walking right, if you're, if you're a warrior in the angelic conflict, why would you not have enemies? Some people crave, you know, they want to go along, they want to get along, they don't want enemies, they don't want to rock the boat, they want to, and it's, it's curious to me, do you really lust after tranquility that badly that you won't take a stand when uh, the truth needs to be uh, defended? Anyway, I don't think you'd voluntarily look around to try to add more enemies than, or make enemies, or we're not intentionally trying to be you know, odorous to to people, but when the enemies present themselves, we don't back down from the word of God. We just cling to the commandments, the mitzvah. They're going to make us wiser than the enemies. So that's verse uh, ninety-eight, verse one hundred and fifteen. Now that skips quite a bit, so that gets past the noon. That's the second strophe we've encountered now without a mitzvah. Verse 15, 115 says, depart from me evildoers that I may observe the commandments of my God. You've got to separate from those bad influences that uh, you got these, you're unequally yoked, you've got uh, the wrong crowd hanging on you and, and that's uh, hindering you from living the word of God. A very uh, similar to other passages that we've studied before. Verse 127 in the Ion Strophe Therefore I love your commandments above gold, yes, above fine gold. The wealth of God's mitzvah. Verse 131, I opened my mouth wide and panted for I longed for your commandments. That's uh, an appetite that's ready to devour us. The panting. The longing. How sad is it that believers drift into this take it or leave it mindset where eh, Yeah, Bible class would be nice, but I mean there is a football game on after all, so let's uh, you know, are you kidding me? Especially in this generation we are so spoiled. We can DVR anything under the sun and watch it whenever. There are no schedule conflicts now with anything on TV. It just comes down to your volition and what it is you choose to do in obedience to the Lord. So that's verse 131. Man, how many more are there? (laughs) You think this was a big deal? I tell you, I want to have the kind of faith, someday I want to have the maturity of this psalmist here in Psalm 119. And if the Lord delays long enough, lets me live long enough. And this kid had it probably at 14. I don't know how old this kid was on the death march. It's interesting to me. Verse 143, trouble and anguish have come upon me. This is the tzadeh strophe. Trouble and anguish have come upon me, yet your commandments are my delight. <clears throat> Verse 151 in the Kof-strophe, you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. If you have this kind of love affair with the Word of God, I don't like using that phrase, but if you have this kind of a, of a passion, yeah. Anyway. Uh, with the Word of God. I mean, just think about it. And uh, the nearness that, that comes with. You are so intimate with the Word of God because you're so near to the Lord. You're so intimate to the Lord. And that's not an accident. Those things go together. Again, when you drift into that take-it-or-leave-it idea with the Word of God, uh, you're not going to be very near to the Lord Himself. Not at all. Verse 166 we just skipped a third strophe. That means we passed over rash and we get down to Sheen. 166 says, I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. He's already a believer, of course. This is not phase one salvation. This is phase two. Verse 172, let my tongue sing of your word, for all your commandments are Righteous. Another one in the Tav Strophe, verse 176. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. So he has a bad day. (laughs) Like I say, here's a believer that that has the maturity I would love to have someday, and yet uh, even though he's daily in the Word, he's daily meditating, he's daily praising, we think, wow, does this guy ever do anything wrong? He just admitted it. He said, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. He has a weak moment. He drifts, but he stops it immediately. Gets right with the Lord, for I do not forget your commandments. Remember the commandment to confess, how about that one? (laughs) Let's confess and get back in fellowship. There's a good commandment, there's a good mitzvah to keep if uh, you drift a bit. All right. well that wraps it up then. That's 172 and 176 and we're out of Psalm 119. Look at that. The final verse of of the chapter. So 22 of these mitzvah, mitzvoth, that fill the chapter. All right, now in the seven minutes we have left we can look at Proverbs. I have not made a mitzvah emphasis anywhere in the book of Proverbs until now. And uh, mitzvah is a noun that occurs ten times and in fact this is the final, this is the tenth and final time that we will encounter mitzvah in the book of Proverbs. So if I don't stress it here we won't get to it <laughs> in any future studies in the book of Proverbs. But notice how early many of these are in the parental section of chapters 1-9. through 9. Proverbs 2-1 says my son if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. Treasure, guard, keep my commandments within you. Three one. My son, do not forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. And that combines both the shomer we talked about earlier and the the mitzvah we're looking at now. Four four. Proverbs four four. Then he taught me and said to me, "This is when." Uh, I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother. Remember Solomon was born, uh, his older brother died because of the adultery and the murder, Uh, but then David comforted Bathsheba and he blessed them with Solomon and more children after Solomon. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Even though David grew up with the Word of God, he drifted and he got carnal and he had a terrible episode with Bathsheba. An entire season where he wasn't going to war like he should have been. And uh, other things. Trying to instill that in Solomon from his youth. Proverbs 6, verses 20 and 23. I think we all do this. We all plead with our children to live the word of God and not make the mistakes we made and to not repeat the dumb things we did when our parents were pleading with us. (laughs) And then uh, we, we plead with them and then they can grow up and they can plead with their children. My son, observe the commandment of your father do not forsake the teaching of your mother. And that's where again we have that tandem of Torah and mitzvah. Because the commandment is the mitzvah and the teaching is the Torah. So your father is mitzvah and your mother's Torah. Observe them, do not forsake them. Verse 23, for the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is a light. The mitzvah and the Torah. The word of God is a light to your feet, a lamp to your feet. This is from Psalm 119. Anyway, the commandment and the teaching is a lamp and a light. And reproofs for discipline are the way of life. Proverbs 7, verses 1 and 2, My son, treasure my words and treasure, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. I've been using keep and treasure as interchangeable expressions, and here they're put in parallel. To shamir, and I forget the Hebrew word for treasure. My mitzvah, commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live. And my teaching is the apple of your eye. Now that's where a child gets grounded when he becomes an adult and lives in his own adult capacity it continues. Three more mitzvah references after chapter 10. In 10.8, 10, the wise of heart will receive commands, but a babbling fool will be ruined. <laughs> you know, you grow up, you leave home, and you think, aha, I'm now the sovereign of my own generation. And I'm living under my own roof, and I'm paying my own rent, and I can go to bed whenever I want. I can stay up as late as I want. Mom and dad can't tell me when to go to bed. And Oh yeah, I've got to get up at 6 a.m. for work. I better go to bed pretty early tonight. <laughs> yeah. And you find, wow, this, this adult thing is a bummer. And, but when you realize, if you're trying to celebrate no more commands, well, no more earthly father commands, but you're still under your heavenly father commands, so I hope you learned what those were about while you were under the earthly father commands, because uh, that was supposed to teach you. What the Heavenly Father commands are all about. Because they don't stop. The wise of heart will receive commands, but a babbling fool will be ruined. That's ten eight, thirteen thirteen. The one who despises the word will be in debt to it. But the one who fears the commandment will be rewarded. All right, well that's our last one there. Uh, kind of neat that we hit the idea of despising, though, because that's what comes up next week when we finish the verse. That he who despises his ways will die. The despising, if you don't have the fear of God's commandments, you will then despise all your ways. And that'll be worth a discussion as well. So, didn't quite get through this. We still got despising your ways, guarding the soul. All right. Well, we'll cover that next week. Lord willing, rapture pending. We'll be here next week, and then, uh, which is March the uh, fourth, and then we will not be here on the eleventh or the eighteenth. All right. So we have got one more Wednesday morning, and then uh, two Wednesdays off. That's correct. Okay. Thank you, Father, for this morning. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your faithfulness. We ask that you would open our eyes. We've seen the verses. Now we've got to live them. Open our eyes to see what You mean by guarding the commandments, by not despising our ways. Thank You for Your faithfulness. We want to live, we want to live abundantly as our Savior provided. I thank You, Father, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.